0: You are listening to episode 42 of the Sunday Shakeout, featuring a recap on the track and field world championships. Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I am your host, Nicholas. This episode features a fun recap to the World Athletics Championships from Budapest, Hungary. I am here to draw some attention to some magnificent athletes who are often overlooked, yet work very hard for their big and quite impressive moments like these. I will be delving into a general overview of the World Athletics Championships. Then, I will be discussing four events. The women's 10,000 meters, the men's 1,500 meters, the women's 800 meters, and the men's 5,000 meters. Finally, I will be giving a special shout out to one athlete in particular who accomplished something incredible in these championships. Now, you might be asking, why talk about the Track and Field World Championships? Isn't this podcast supposed to be about how to be a better runner? Well runners, the purpose of this episode is to shed some light on the amazing and thrilling performances of some of these elite athletes so that we can be inspired to become better runners and reach our potential. If you are new to the Sunday ShakeOut, let me give you a quick rundown. This show is your go-to source for in-depth training analysis, viable training tips, unbiased and reliable physiology and science and so much more whether you're a beginner taking your first strides or an experienced runner aiming for new heights the sunday shakeout provides you with the information you need to run faster stay injury free and most importantly stay happy on your running journey so let's lace up those shoes hit the road and dive into some of the thrilling events of this year's world champs without further ado please enjoy my recap of the world athletics championships in 2023 All right, so every year or at least every year that the there's either, you know, the Olympics or the World Championships for track and field, that is kind of my main event for the year as in like what I want to watch that year. So like the biggest sporting event that I want to watch. For most people it's like, you know, maybe it's the World Cup every 4 years, the Super Bowl every year, the World Series, something like that. But for me Personally, maybe the, MB- the NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, whatever, for me, it's the Track and Field World Championships or the Olympics and specifically in the Olympics Track and Field. So, this year did not disappoint when it comes to Track and Field and the World Athletics Championships. It was held this year in Budapest, Hungary. It was probably the biggest event in Hungary's history and I think that Hungary is an amazing place to host these championships because Budapest is a very impressive city with lots of culture and heritage, and so World Athletics definitely made a great choice for where they should host the 2023 championships. More than 2,000 athletes came to represent from more than 200 countries in Budapest. The event lasted 9 days from August 29th to 27th, so I'm a little bit late, but that's okay. And it was arguably the greatest track and field championships in history. Seven out of the nine evenings of the World Championships saw a sold-out stadium. There was a total of more than 404,000 tickets sold, and you know, I definitely enjoyed the entire event. From day one to day nine, there were many surprises, many thrills, and overall it was a fun championship event to watch. Now, fair warning, before I get into the content of this episode, I just want to say that since this is a running podcast, I am only going to cover the distance running part of this, these championships. I know, I know, many of you track and field fans only watch for the sprints, watching Noah Lyles win the 100-200 and then the 4x100, but it's it's a distance running podcast, and that's what I talk about. I talk about how to get better at running, So because of that, this episode is going to be only about the distance running events that happened. I will not be covering field events, you know, dribbling, high jump, long jump, pole vault, triple jump, shot put, discus, whatever they do, etc. No disrespect to those events, I think that they're kind of fun to watch, but I'm just not an expert on that. I don't know too much about that. And I don't want to be talking about something that I'm not super well versed in. I know a lot about distance running, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Sorry to disappoint, but not sorry, because this is my podcast and I like distance running. So here we go. We're first going to talk about the women's 10,000 meters final. Um, the two main contenders, or at the on the home stretch, I guess, the two main contenders were Gudav Sege-, S- Sege, I think, I think that's how you pronounce her name, Gudav Sege, and safan Hassan. They engaged in a thrilling battle for the 10,000 meter gold, and safan Hassan, she was trying to do the triple, winning the 1,500 meters, the 5,000 meters, and the 10,000 meters at these championships, and the 10,000 meters was the first of the three finals. Both athletes, Sege and Hassan, are renowned for their speed over shorter distances. And so, they fought fiercely throughout the race. In a shocking turn of events, just meters from the finish line, it was pretty heartbreaking to watch. I watched this on my TV, you know, highlights from NBC Sports, the app on my Apple TV. Hassan, she falled. She stumbled and fell. And this was so heartbreaking. It ended her hopes of the global medal triple. Sege maintained her composure and secured her first 10,000-meter title. I think it was a clean fall, meaning I don't think she was tripped or anything. I just think that she kind of overstrided there, and she lost it, and she stumbled, and she just fell. Um, but because Hassan from the Never- Netherlands stumbled, Ethiopia swept the podium. Um, the medalists after Sege included Letesna Met Gide, who got the silver, and... I don't know how to pronounce the names. I'm sorry. Uh, Ej- Guy U... Hey, uh, who got the bronze? And so it was an Ethiopia podium sweep. I thought that Hassan's race strategy began pretty conservatively, because she stayed behind the leaders while closely monitoring the race's developments. And then, with her signature speed, Hassan made a decisive move th- during the final lap, brief- bl- briefly taking the lead. However, Sege, the world 1500 meter indoor world record holder, refused to just let Hassan go by her and it was pretty thrilling down the final 100 meters. Obviously, like I said, Hassan completely just lost her rhythm and fell to the track and she just watched gold slip away. It was pretty heartbreaking to watch. You gotta go watch it back on YouTube. And you know, she gave it everything she had. She had nothing left in the tank. But Sege's victory really showcased her versatility as the ten thousand meters was not her primary event. Again, she's the world indoor fifteen hundred meter record holder. And yeah, just props to Sage, but honestly I feel I gotta feel for Hassan. Hassan really expressed disappointment but remained. She remained pretty determined to perform well in upcoming races, including the 5,000 meters and the 1,500. Her resilience and relentless pursuit of excellence remained evident, despite the unexpected outcome. She has great sportsmanship, and when asked time and again, why are you doing this, meaning why do you keep racing? Why are you doing all these different races? She says, to see if I can, and that's really key. She enjoys the process of racing. In fact, she does a lot of distances. She even ran the London Marathon earlier this year, and so she loves the sport she has great versatility and she loves racing and i think that that passion for the sport that is really really key so full respect to stefan hassan you got to feel for her but overall this was a fun race to watch it was on the first day of the world champs i think but good job to good off sege the 26 year old ethiopian and fun race to watch that was a great way to kick off day one of the world championships i don't know if it was the first event but it was definitely i don't think it was but i think it was definitely the first like distance event that i watched so that's pretty cool um, now let's talk about the men's 1500 meter final. Um, this is, you know, my favorite athlete. If you if you can't already tell, I've talked a lot about him in my per- previous episodes. He's Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Unless you've been living under a rock for the past two to three years, you know that Jakob Ingebrigtsen, especially over the past two years specifically, is the greatest 1500 meter runner in the world right now. He is just 22 years old, but the Norwegian superstar has already established himself as probably one of the greatest distance runners of all time honestly if not all time definitely one of the greatest distance runners of our time and his goal is not just to become the greatest distance runner of our time but you know to become the greatest not just one of the greatest but the greatest all time he wants to have many world records many championships many olympic medals and i am almost certain that he wants you know that back to back to back olympic champion uh, olympic gold in the 1500 meters and to be the only person to do that Ingebrigtsen, you know, it's been a pretty good start to this year, if you what whatever you consider a good start, because, well, he's undefeated this far. He won the European Indoor Championships, I believe, for 1,500 meters. Could be wrong, but I think he did that. He ran the European record twice for 1,500 meters outdoors with an astounding time of 327.95 in Oslo, uh, the Oslo Diamond League, on his home soil. And then he later ran 327.14 to shatter his own European record in Silesia, Poland, Along the way, Ingebrigtsen broke the legendary and seemingly unbreakable world record in the two mile distance set by Daniel Coleman in Kenya way back in 1997. And so. Bricksen broke that record of 7.58, and he broke it by an astonishing 4 seconds, running 7.54.10. So Bricksen, he's been the class of the field this year when it comes to anything like 1,500 meters to 2 mile. He's not run a 5,000 this year, except at the World Champs, and we'll get into that later. But overall, he was definitely the favorite for the World Champs, determined to rectify last year's upset. Um, Bricksen, obviously, he, last year he lost to Jake Whiteman. Um, of Great Britain in the final 200 meters because of Jake Whiteman's speed. Ingebrigtsen kind of had a tactical error, and this year, I thought he ran a lot cleaner, but he was faced with a lot of tough competition. He was faced with Yard Negus, who is the American who is kind of up on the rise. It's his first year on the circuit. He won a Diamond League. He finished second and third. And overall, Negus has had a very, very good season. He has the American record now in the the 1500 meters. Uh, He set that in Oslo. So, you know, he has Yard Goose Josh Kerr, uh, who's the Olympic bronze medalist over 1,500 meters, Narv Nordes, who's also been on the rise this year, and we'll talk about it in a minute bit, and then Abel Kipsang, who was also a big contender in last year's world champs. He's of Kenya. So, you know, it was a pretty it was a pretty darn entertaining race, I must say that. Inger Rickson took the lead, um, and he pretty much controlled the race, and it was a pretty tactical race and i think kerr josh kerr i'll just spoil it right now he won the race and he challenged ingebrigtsen in the last 400 meters um ingebrigtsen yeah he lost he was he said he was feeling unwell after a sore throat in the warm-ups in the semis and it got better got worse the day after and it got better on the 1500 meter day but he was he was still not feeling at his best and he really did share that in his interview um and i want to talk about narb Nordes here He's coached by Jakob Ingebrigtsen's father, and he really surprised the field of the bronze. He's also representing Norway, racing the 1500 meters. And it's kind of weird. It's like he's coached by Gert Ingebrigtsen, who, like I said, is Ingebrigtsen's father. And Gert used to coach Jakob and his brothers. And Gert stepped off of the team Ingebrigtsen after the Tokyo Olympics. And now he is coaching Nordis, which I find kind of strange. But I guess it's kind of like... I don't know why you would do that, but, like, I guess, like, the family is not, like, a super loving. I don't know, I'm not gonna say anything I don't wanna say, but, um, yeah, Gert is not, uh, coaching Nordis, and Nordis has improved dramatically using the Norwegian training model. It does require a lot of patience, he said he's been doing, like, double thresholds on, like, the Let's Run podcast since, I think, like, 2016, he said, so he's- it's taken a while for him to improve a lot, but this year he went from 320- 3.36 last year all the way up to 3.29, so- um, coming to the line in this year's world champs, he got the bronze, but honestly, if he was a mile race, meaning another 109 meters, I think that Nordis actually could have gotten the gold because he was just coming so fast. He almost passed, uh, Ingebrigtsen for the silver medal. And so I think that he maybe could have actually won that because he got such a closing, fast closing speed. And I think that was really impressive. So good job to Nortiz. He's really on the rise. I think he could be a threat for Paris 2024, but I want to talk, talk a little bit about Josh Kerr. Big kudos to Josh Kerr. I think Kerr really opened up in his interview after the race about his disciplined approach and the changes he's made. How you know he's made lots of diet changes that have paid off. Um, He's been just overall really disciplined in his preparations. He's gotten better sleep. He's been working on his psychology. He's talked about how he had a chef that's pretty much controlled everything that he put in his mouth. And you know he was also asked about when he had what he had to cut out of his diet. And the main thing he said was Chipotle, which I found very interesting because, you know, we all love Chipotle sometimes, you know, you gotta go Friday night with the homies, you gotta go to Chipotle, get your little um, get your little bowl of whatever you get, especially the guac, I think, but you gotta go with the homies on a Thursday night, um, Wednesday night in the trenches, something like that. But, you know, so Chipotle, it tastes pretty good, but it isn't necessarily unhealthy, like, you know it's it's not the worst but what really is like the big thing is portion size that matters and at these world champs josh kerr looked much much leaner i gotta say he looked like he lost five to ten pounds and i bet the chef and his all his discipline preparations had a lot to do with that but i think that had a big impact in him being able to win these world champs he also talked about in his post-race interview about his race plan it wasn't necessarily about making a move at a certain point but rather seizing the opportunity when it arose um so for him it was all about belief in himself belief in his preparations and confidence kind of going by his instincts in the race saying okay this is my move this is my time and when he took the move to try to make the move on Ingebrigtsen I think that really made the difference in the race and so great job Hard work really does pay off, and Josh Kerr is a great example of someone who's really been slowly working his way up through the ranks, and he's now world champion, so kudos to Josh Kerr, but I will say that if Brixon was feeling better, I think he definitely would have won. Um, that's a debatable statement, but that's just my opinion. Um, I think Ingebrigtsen probably would have won, but, you know, that was a really entertaining race. Um, I'm an Ingebrigtsen fan, so it's kind of painful to watch that happen, but, um, you know, Josh Kerr, he's kind of got a place in my heart now, so good job, Josh Kerr. Uh, I want to talk about the women's 800 meter final now. The women's 800 meter race featured a highly anticipated clash among three standout athletes, uh, Mary Mora of Kenya, Keely Hodgkinson of Great Britain, and Athing Mo of the United States. But I think the most notable ones are probably Hodgkinson, Keeley Hodgkinson, and then Athing Moo. Um, and there are also three other Americans in the field, but Athing Mo is really kind of supposed to be like the star of the show here she's the olympic gold medalist and the reigning world champion and she entered the race as the favorite however her limited race appearances during the season had created sort of an air of uncertainty about her form people were kind of questioning how she was um and so the race unfolded with a fast and competitive pace from the beginning it was largely orchestrated and led by a thing mo herself She took the lead and set a brisk tempo showing her intention to really control the race and really uh, go away with the victory. Um, But as the race reached the final stretch, Mary Mora really made a decisive move. Uh, it really displayed her impressive tactics in excellent form as Mora surged ahead, and she crossed the finish line with a personal time of 156 flat. Um, it wasn't really like she crossed the finish line, she jumped across the finish line. If you go wa- re-watch it on YouTube or worldathletics.com or wherever you go watch your highlights or whatever, um, her finish was a very exuberant celebration, which included a a very funny leap at the line her finishing kick was electric fine and her 800 meter prowess was on full display but overall i just thought it was really really funny um to see her dance after the finish line and to see her jump across the finish line i know she's dealt with some adversity in her life um and so it's really nice to see her come out on top and personally if you're a world champion you can do anything you want you could dance across the finish line so good job to Mary Mora. and after the race Maura really expressed how the competition was tough. Um, she was shadowing a thing, Mo, a lot of the race, hesitating a bit. But she really just decided to go out there, make a move with 200 meters to go. And it really paid off as she pulled away in the last 50 meters to win. And I think that really shows that sometimes it's you can't be conservative all the time in your running journey. Sometimes you have to take risks. Sometimes you actually have to put yourself out there in a the race. And if it fails, well, at least you tried. You attempted. You did everything you could and it's a learning experience if mora didn't make that move she wouldn't have won maybe she could have s- settled for silver but that obviously that's not as good as a gold and even if the move didn't work out and maybe she faded to a fourth that's okay it was a learning experience but it did work out and for those times that it does work out i think that it's really really key to take some risks sometimes not be overly conservative um and that's really how you get done and that's why it's super entertaining um and let's talk about a thing mo a little bit Oof. Despite her third place finish, Thingmo had mixed emotions um, because while not securing the gold, she still earned the bronze medal. And this result really prompted reflections on her rapid rise in the sport. And now, the dynamics of her career are sort of changing, and this this championship race really shows a significant shift in a Thing career. She faced stronger competition than ever before, and this is really, I think it started to raise questions about her ability to maintain her dominance. Um, Additionally, Thing Mo is grappled with uh, handling high expectations placed upon her, Um, because Mary Moore is kind of the underdog going into this race, a Thing Mo is the heavy favorite, and so grappling with these these expectations i'm sure was difficult for a thing Mo in her post-race interview i think she was looking forward to vacation i think she said and so i think she just needs a break i mean like she's had a lot of expectations placed upon her but i think that um great job to marry Mora. ultimately i think this woman's 800 meter race though it really shows a huge upset it might give some insight into the future of a thing Mo's career but Great job to Mary Morrill. Kudos to her. I think that she's this is greatly deserved. Um and yeah, just great job. Now I really do want to talk about the men's five thousand meters now. I just really wanna um this is a race that was I was highly anticipating. Um because you know there's Inga brixen he lost the 1500 meter championship, and I think that what happened this year breathes almost a sense of deja vu for Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Last year he suffered an upset in the 1500 meters, but he made a comeback by winning a gutsy 5000 meters race last year. A similar situation occurred recently, he lost to Josh Kerr in the 1500 meters, but he rebounded with a strong performance in the 5000 meters. Now the field for this race was pretty stacked, it was not going to be an easy race for Jakob Ingebrigtsen. First, you had Ethiopia's Aragawi, Brihu Arigari, who has run the fastest time in the world this year. He even beat the world record holder across the Diamond League circuit. I think he ran like three, or sorry, 1241, maybe 1240. Somewhere in that range. And so we had Aragawi. We also had Paul Cholimo, who is a two-time American Olympic me- medalist, and he's also in this race. Uh, Stewie McSwain of Australia is in the race. Uh, also Mo Couture, who was eliminated from the fifteen hundred meter semifinal. Uh, and now he's back for the five thousand meter final. So uh, tears back, and at the start of the race, when the gun went off, you could see that Ingebrigtsen immediately went to the back, and he stayed there until pretty much the final few stages of the race. I was um, I was listening to this on the radio, because for the World Athletics Championships, you need a subscription to Peacock, and I don't have that, so I went on to world- worldathletics.com, and I looked, uh, looked, watched, or listened on the radio, they had like, the live results up, um, and so I, I listened there, and I watched there, And yeah, at the start of the race, for most of the race, Ingebrigtsen was at the back, but I knew that's kind of his strategy, so I wasn't too concerned. Uh, He let everyone else jostle it out at the front. And by the final lap, we had like four main contenders, I think. I forgot who the third one is, but we had Moketeer, Jimmy Gressier of Spain, and then we had Yakima Ingebrigtsen and one other. Um, But yeah, the final lap began with Moketeer taking the lead, and... Jakob Ingebrigtsen and Jamie Gressier, like I said, they were also in contention. But honestly, at that point, I thought Jakob was kind of out of it, because he was in fourth with 400 meters to go, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe he could snag the bronze, maybe the silver, but maybe we should just walk away from these world champs, take a few lessons, and maybe come back next year with for Paris with a, maybe a stronger, stronger prepar- not stronger preparations, but less illness. And I was just like, well, we'll just salvage this, but... In the f- But with, you know, 200 meters to go, Jakob really made a huge charge to the outside, and I was kind of caught off guard by this, but in the final meters, Jakob managed to kick and secure the victory. I- it was probably, like, the final, like, 15 meters. Jakob was kicking for his life. You could tell that he wanted that one pretty bad, and he managed to nab the victory over Mocheteer of Spain for second. Um, Ethiopia, really surprising. They completely missed the podium. Berihu Arigari and the other people. Um, it was really significant about that is that. Ethiopia has the world's best time um, this year, uh, the fastest time in the world this year. So, like I said, Aragawi. so that's pretty big. They also have read some of the best... Um, distance runners of all time from Ethiopia, you know, like, Kenenisa Bekele, um, what other distance runners? We got, like, Haile Gebrselassie. so we got a whole bunch of great distance runners who have hailed from Ethiopia, but they completely missed the podium in the 5,000 meters, which is kind of a, a shock, but they, I think they did that last year, too, but overall, Ingebrigtsen's victory is a huge relief for him after facing disappointment earlier, Brixen really talked about feeling unwell before a race due to a virus, he really really had to prioritize recovery, skipping some training rounds, and really focusing on his nutrition and hydration. Ingebrigtsen had to be patient, patient during the race, and really execute a perfect race plan. Uh, he mentioned his bittersweet feelings in an interview, because um, he's not, he was not, obviously, if, you, if you're if you losing a race because of a sickness, you're not going to be happy, so he was pretty unhappy with his current health situation, and what I really found kind of rude from Ingebrigtsen was he also downplayed Josh Kerr winning the 1500 meters, because he was asked about that, and he said that Josh Kerr was just the next guy. If Ingebrigtsen wasn't there, then, oh, well, just Josh Kerr's just the next guy, and so so Josh Kerr, I really I watched an interview with him at a press conference um, in Zerk at the Zerk Diamond League that recently happened. And what really happened is Josh Kerr, he just really shrugged it off at the press conference. And that's really what you have to do at the world's biggest stage. If someone says something to bring you down, you can't really dwell on it because nothing's going to change. You're not going to be able to control what people have to say. You kind of just have to control the controllables and not worry about it. You kind of just have to shrug it off and move on. So great respect to Josh Kerr for taking it like that. I think that's a great pro move. Um, And that's really what you have to do to be successful and to keep your success. You can't worry about your haters. I'm not saying Inga Brixen was hating on Josh Kerr. I just think that Inga Brixen was feeling a little bit of heat there. Um, but overall, great job to Inga Brixen dealing with the adversity of a sickness and making it out on the other side on top with a 5,000 meter tile. Now, I do want to give a big shout out to Faith Gip um, from Kenya. That's the big athlete I'm giving a shout out to. She's broken three world records this year, one in the 1,500 meters, one in the mile, and one in the 5,000 meters. In this, in this year's world championships, she's completed a f- 1,500 meter 5k double. That's an amazing achievement for an amazing woman. I'm extremely happy for Kip Yegon, and you could go watch all the races on YouTube. But she's mentored by Ellie Kipchoge, who, if you don't know who he is, he's the marathon record, world record holder, first ever, and only person to go under two hours for the marathon. She's mentored by him; they train together. But Kip Yegon is a true champion, and so kudos to Faith fifth Kip Yegon. I'm a big fan of fan of Kip, Kip Yegon, <laughs> and overall, congrats to her. And overall, I thought this was a very entertaining World Championships. I thought that we only covered four events today, but there are many more. We got, like, anything. You can watch anything. You can go watch the Men's 800, the Women's 800. Um, I'm not going to list all the events, but those are just some of the events I thought were pretty entertaining from this year's World Championships as far as distances go. Thank you for listening to episode 42 of the Sunday ShakeOut. I hope you all really enjoyed this episode, and I hope it really gave some insight into some of these amazing athletes and their accomplishments that they're able to uh, achieve. And so, yeah, I guess that's all I got to say. I also hope that maybe you take some lessons away from this. I think that sports are a great way to just learn some different, like, lifelong lessons. I think that, you know, like, Yakima and you kind of just have to fight through adversity, Um, through sickness, I think, you know, overall, you kind of just have to learn how to, you know, psychology is big in the sport. We're going to be making a whole bunch of episodes on psychology in the future, but if you can learn how to handle the pressure of making it to a big stage, if you can learn how to handle adversity in your life and ultimately come out on top. That is really, really, really key, and so I hope that this episode provided you awesome with some insights, and yeah, if you enjoyed this episode of the Sunday ShakeOut, please consider following to or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'd also greatly appreciate a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify as well. If you have any questions regarding running, you can feel free to reach out to me at the Shakeout at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you all so much for participating in the polls. I think we've just had the most participation ever in these polls this past week. We've had um, eight guys, eight people participate in the polls, so thank you all so much. The reason I chose this episode is because you guys in the polls chose uh, 50% of you, which is the most um, wanted me to talk about world champs, so I did that today. And in the future, we'll be, we'll be talking about some other stuff. So thank you all so much. Um, shout out to all my guys from Seattle Prep. That's my high school. And... They're giving me a lot of support with my podcast and I'm gaining a lot of new followers. So let's go. We're we're rolling with the Sunday Shakeout. But yeah, just thank you all so much and peace out. This is the Sunday Shakeout.